he got an email from the person, from the decision maker that I was navigating with. And she said, and I quote, I'm not working with your company because Matt was aggressive. That shook me, man, shook me. Welcome to Outbound, where we talk about strategies and tactics to help you build deeper relationships with your ideal customers. Today's guest is Matt Hall. He works with business owners and sales leaders to help them identify opportunities for business growth. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. So what is a, uh, what's a strategy or tactic that you've seen be really effective for helping you build deeper relationships with your ideal customers? Yeah. One thing that I found a lot of success with, and I also think is repeatable for a lot of people in sales and business development is finding ecosystems. So when I say ecosystems, there's, that can mean a lot of things, but find an ecosystem where your ideal client is doing business. I'm not saying just they live there, they hang out there. Like, no, this is the business world that they're in. Find that ecosystem and become part of it. Just don't go in there and cold picture. Now, find the ecosystems and find the different players in that ecosystem. That has worked really, really well for me. Um, actually, I had an ex I have a really good example. It was a large manufacturer had they one of their sales channels was through you know distributors that were other businesses not part of their own. And I started to get into that ecosystem. And what I learned was not the manufacturer, the channel partners really needed the solution that I had. So I found that out on my own, but I just didn't go in there and start pitching. I found four different people inside of that ecosystem, a couple at the manufacturer, uh, a couple that were, you know, those partner, those channel partners. And I just started talking with them, understanding like, hey, this is the need I see. Do you see it that way? Mm. And is that a need that people want help solving? Because if they don't, that's fine. Go find a new ecosystem. But through those conversations and that learning, I realized that, okay, my solution fits both of these people's uh, descriptions of the issue. And then what I started doing after that learning, and then I started just interjecting myself into the ecosystem, LinkedIn. I did do some cold outreach to people inside the ecosystem, but it wasn't cold in the sense that I had learned so much about their pain points. So I kind of took a multi-channel approach to diving into that ecosystem. Yeah. And that's the kind of example where cold calling can, can be really effective. Like I'm definitely mm -hmm. not typically a fan of cold calling just because it gets to be really obnoxious. But if you can call somebody yeah. and you really understand their pain and problems better than they do, and you can speak to that and you have credibility because you've built different relationships in the ecosystem. So it's like borderline not being cold at that point because you're already in their group and you can you know talk about knowing the same people and all that. Uh, that's, that's definitely a little bit of a different story. It is. And what's funny is they know who I was. They knew like the people that I cold called knew who I was. They've heard of me. They've heard of my firm. So it technically wasn't cold, but they had just never talked to me before. So some of it's semantics on what's a cold call and what's not, but technically it was cold because they'd never talked to me before. But yeah, it's the learnings and it's the, oh, wait, hold on. Did you know so-and-so? I think I heard about you from this or that. And like, well, that's not cold, but 
Yeah, I agree with you. The days of cold calling, just using LinkedIn as a lead list are hopefully behind us. But again, <laughs> unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah. But there is a they way to be. use there is a way to use that communication channel appropriately is the way I like to say it. Because I don't believe that picking up the phone and talking to people's dead. It's just be relevant, be helpful. And if they tell you no, and this is the power of the ecosystem, Joseph, if they tell you no, you are forced to accept it because you don't want to blow up the ecosystem. So you're like, okay, okay, that one didn't work out. Okay, cool. I'm going to still add value. I'm going to still be relevant because you're inside my ecosystem and one rotted fish in an ecosystem is dangerous. So you, yeah. you just kind of go, oh, okay, that's fine. You don't win them all. That's no big deal. So it also, from a sales perspective, it makes it easier for you to just, you know, walk away and, or take the high road or whatever you want to say. Be a little more detached and mm -hmm. put the customer or the potential customer first rather than yeah. just trying to close at any costs. Um, mm -hmm. So can you define for me a little bit more what, what you mean by ecosystem? Sure. So there's a lot of ways to look at ecosystems. Um, by no means is do I say this is the only way to define it. To be clear, I don't want uh, people to look at that and go, there's so many ecosystems. True story. <laughs> so I look at ecosystems and in the example I gave with the manufacturer, that's to me is a simple ecosystem to get into. If you look at an ecosystem of ABC company manufactures adhesive, they, they produce rubber. I mean, pick one. Okay. Well, if that company's huge and you don't sell to that company, like pick one, it doesn't matter. It could be pharma. It could be anything. But if you think of that, company, you know, their fortune 100, they got, you know, 10 gajillion dollars of revenue. Okay. Well, how do they actually generate that revenue? How does that actually happen? That's what I'm talking about with ecosystems because large companies, especially in a B2B environment, usually don't sell everything direct. They sell it via a channel. So when I think of ecosystems, swap it out for channels, if you'd like, but where are those sales channels? It's amazing what you can find when you Google it. But it's those ecosystems then start to, okay, manufacture ecosystem people who sell what that manufacturer produces. Yes, that's the beginning of the ecosystem. But then take a, a wider view. What other companies are either working with the manufacturer inside that ecosystem, working with the, the other channel partners, the other companies, like, who is this? It could be an IT firm. It could be finance. It could be web design. It could be marketing. It could be pick one. So I look at the big, hopefully that makes sense. The beginning part of the ecosystem is company A, Fortune 100. They use these other companies as sales channels. Okay. Beginning stage, second stage is the ecosystem. Who else is supporting that? And be it on the channel end or the manufacturer end. And then you start to build a bigger ecosystem. I make it, you got a pond, you got a lake, then you got an ocean. That's kind of how I look at ecosystems is kind of what's the core, what's the bigger core, what's the, you know, the larger kind of surrounding uh, component of it. So that would be something like, so with those other supporting businesses, it's the idea you can build relationships with them and they're not necessarily going to buy from you but they could refer you in at the right time, or you could create a partnership with different of those other vendors and be building yeah. relationships so that you bring them in at a certain point, they bring you in at a certain point and kind of potentially be able to co-sell 
to these other groups or yeah. at least, you know, do joint events, create content together. There's mm -hmm. all kinds of ways you could, you could all go. kinds of ways. It's a long, and they've already built off. credibility. You know, they've already yeah. built credibility there. So if you're all of a sudden being associated with somebody who's trusted in that ecosystem, then, um, mm -hmm. just by default, people are going to listen to what you have to say more. Yeah, I completely agree. I will say it's a long burn. Like it's not, if this is part of your 2024 strategy, great. Fantastic. Love it. If you think it's going to give you a result in Q1, you might want to temper your expectations because you have to get in there and add value. You might have to give a lot to get something. It is a, it's a longer term strategy from a sales perspective, but when you make the commitment to it, it will bear fruit and longer term to your point of, man, this cold calling, it makes it so that you have to do either zero of that or very targeted reasons why you would do that. Yeah, it kind of forces you to not take the transactional approach and treat people yeah. like they're just a number on a spreadsheet because you have to build a long-term relationship that's going to be mutually beneficial mm -hmm. if it's going to work out. So would you consider, so another way that I would think of an ecosystem, and I might be wrong, so this is where, you know, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but, you know, there's usually different types of, uh, I'll just use in the engineering software world um, that I came out of before, you have these massive companies like, Siemens and they've got uh, their team center product, which is a CAD system for engineers. And they've got a bunch of other, they have multiple CAD systems and other supporting systems that work with that. Then they have these user groups that are, um, you know, usually will put on conferences and do things like that. Mm -hmm. And then they bring in all these vendors that help support this, you know, you, you would buy this with team center and, you know, not people who would compete with those products, but people that would make them a little, you know, augment those and make them better. So it might be plugins or whatever, or, you know, other vendors that do something that's completely different, but that you need with team center or whatever. So then if you can go and build relationships with people in those groups and you can, um, uh, you know, potentially get speaking engagements or do things like that within those circles. I mean, is that similar to what you're talking about or am I off yeah, base? No, that? it's very similar. It's sometimes it's just, it's very similar. Sometimes you're just different, different size of ecosystem. What you described, that's enormous. It's huge. But the idea is you're right on point with it. It's how do you get an entry point? Who are the players? How do you form those relationships that will lead to revenue? That's the goal of this. Like I got enough friends, man. Like I, I this isn't like me trying to make somebody my friend. It's more of a, hey, you're in this space. I'm in this space but we all understand the game that's being played here and where can I add value? So yeah, yeah I, think you, I think you're looking at it the right way. Yeah, another one that comes to mind would be a group. I've seen a few companies do this really well where they get on uh, industry, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it, but like in the engineering world, again, you have got, got these, um, uh, what, what would you even call those? They're basically like groups that get together for engineering excellence or engineering programs, yeah. uh, or like, a a man, what's, this isn't good for my podcasting here, but <laughs> you know, it's basically like uh SAE would be one of them. So there are these groups of specialized engineers that have a panel and you can volunteer with those groups and become, you know, yeah. get on their different boards where they decide what's going to be included in future, um, uh, rules and regulations that help yeah. govern, you know, how engineers approach doing their job. 
uh, or it's more like maybe not rules and regulations, but standards. There we go. Yeah. They're like standards groups that you can join. And um, you usually have to know what you're talking about. But if you can get in there, you can add <laughs> value. But then you're actually building relationships with people that are in these big organizations you're trying to get into and can build a lot yeah. of credibility and stuff that way. Absolutely. In that scenario, if you're a salesperson and you're going to get in that group, you better know what you're talking about. Because if you don't, you won't pass the toll. Like it, it, it's, it's over for you. Uh, but let's say you're not as comfortable with the technical knowledge of that. Because sometimes salespeople aren't. There's technical things that I've been in sales my whole career. There's just things that people ask me, go, I just don't know. Okay. Then you might not want to get on that board yet today. Like you might want to be more on the fly on the wall. You might want to learn. You might hear something where you can add value interject. So there are, that is a very complex ecosystem you just mentioned that maybe not everyone can jump into at the level of knowledge that you need to have to jump into it. Okay. But understand the ecosystem. Why do these people do this? What are their pain points? What are the issues that they run into? Can you solve them? If so, okay, note that down and then start connecting with those people. I would make the argument in a non-sales related way because LinkedIn is great. I love it. It's a tool that I use every day. You and I were talking about that earlier, but you can't come off as I know everything and you can't come off as fake. And unfortunately, the automation and the bots and all that stuff has made it so that's a tougher thing for salespeople to do, especially yeah, if it says sales in your title. But you can work through it, frankly, if you give a damn. Yeah. Just I care about the audience and I care about these problems and you can overcome it. It just takes time and effort. So what are two or three ways that somebody listening to this can get started? Because, it, you know, it is complicated. Yeah, it does it take is. time to build it out. Uh, but what what are some kind of entry level ways that people could start thinking about mm -hmm. working in an ecosystem? Yep. If the ecosystem thing is just makes your mind hurt. And it did when I started this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so complicated. I just don't think this way. I'm thinking like island to island, deal to deal. That's just been beat into my head. Go to your current customers, especially ones that you've added so much value to and they trust you and just ask them. Say like, hey, I had a question about this. Even if you don't know anything about the ecosystem, except that you believe it exists, ask them. They'll probably tell you. That'd be the first step of like, okay, how do I start this? Current customers, where does where's their business play? Even if you know very little about it, ask them. I know it seems simple, Joseph, just ask. Like, hey, I was trying to learn more about this. How does this play in your, in your industry or in your world? They'll tell you. I'd start there. Um, the second, or if you know the ecosystem, like what well, the example you gave is a big one. Here's a more simpler one. Um, folks that listen to this, they might know of like EOS, you know, traction, uh, mm -hmm. that in itself is an ecosystem and one that a lot of people know about. And that a lot of businesses run on, do your customers run on EOS? Simple question. If they do, well, you almost have a built-in ecosystem to start finding other people like them, other companies that support that ecosystem, even local to your region. So if you sell things locally or regionally, ecosystem. Try to find one that you have an entry point into <clears throat> that you can learn something quickly on. That's my best first, first and second step. And then the third step is how do I interject myself into it?
that's a harder question to ask, but that answer, but those are the first two things I would do in any scenario, in any scenario, in any sales job that I found myself in. That's the first thing, first two things I do. Yeah, the, it's interesting because I um, have two things that come to mind. The EOS one that actually came up for me personally this week with mm -hmm. conversation. Um, and, and yeah, that is a great example because if you fit, if your things align with EOS, but they're different than EOS, but it, you know, say it's something that a company needs to do in order to actually follow through on implementing yeah. EOS, then working with an EOS group that implements that is huge because yeah. you can make recommendations, they can make recommendations, you go back and forth and uh, all of a sudden you've got a lot of that built in. That's, that's excellent. And then another one is here in Cincinnati, we've also got some startup groups oh, yeah. that, you one. know, so if you're working with startups, you can just go participate in that, do a, a workshop on some XYZ, whatever it is, and start building relationships there. Yeah. So I love it. Okay. Last question for you. What is the wildest thing that's happened to you <laughs> since you've been in sales? There's a lot of them. Uh, I picked this one. So this was, oh man, it had to be nine, 10 years ago. So I, I was doing my job. I was scaring up opportunities. I was trying to get those to proposal. You know, I was just trying to hit my number like every other salesperson that's walking around. So I had this opportunity and I was nurturing it through the process and she stopped talking to me, went dark. Okay. Not the first time, not the last time I moved on. Now my boss asked me, Hey, what happened with ABC opportunity? I'm like, I don't know. I, I probably did something wrong. I go, she ghosted me, you know, I, I went into Salesforce, closed, lost. Okay. Like within a couple of days of him asking me that he got an email from the person from the decision maker that I was navigating with. And she said, and I quote, I'm not working with your company because Matt was aggressive. That shook me, man, shook me, because that is not who I am or I do my best not to be. But <laughs> so he calls me in there and he says that he shows me the email. I'm like, oh man, what did I do? I was, I was messed up. Like I thought it was me. I'm like, go, everything's logged, everything. I'm meticulous with notes and logging everything because otherwise I'll forget it. So he went in there and read every email that everyone, even from after she reached out to us, I didn't even cold call this place. And I, I, he goes, were all your calls recorded at the time before the rules were different? Yeah, everything was logged and recorded. I didn't use my personal cell phone for these calls. And he went back and listened to every single one. Now, luckily, it's crazy in the sense that somebody did that. That's <laughs> wild. But it was also kind of wild in the sense that my sales leader at the time had my back and he went and he took my word. Did, did you ever find out why she said that or? Uh, I don't know. Like clearly, clearly I did something that triggered something for her, but aggressive. I didn't see it. I chalked it up to wrong guy, wrong place. Something else was going on either in her business or her world. And I had just jumped into it and I did something that triggered something. I mean, I, I carry it, the knowledge of okay. it because we talked about it, but it I don't sit around and worry about it. Cause she didn't give me a definitive um, answer of like, you said this thing. Like I didn't even follow up that much, Joseph. Like it wasn't like oh, I was man. emailing her every two days. It was like, she said, follow up on a Thursday. So I followed up on a Thursday. She didn't get back to me. I pushed it out four or five days. So it wasn't, it had to Jeez. be something on her end that wasn't related to me. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, thanks, Matt, for joining me on the show. Really appreciate it. If you like this show or you learned something, go ahead and hit subscribe and leave a five-star review. It'd be uh, really appreciate that.